0: A while back, I was with a buddy of mine, and we were having lunch. And, um, you know, to be honest, uh, Dan and I, we get together and have lunch, and we're there for each other, but we're also there for the food. We were sitting there eating, and we could tell that the guys next to us at the table... They were having a power lunch. You know what I mean by that? They're, they're talking contracts and acquisitions and you know personnel issues, things like that. And you could tell that lunch was really secondary. In fact, I'm not even sure they even ate anything the, the time they were there. They, they were just talking. They were kind of positioning and wheeling and dealing and exchanging uh, contacts and what have you, things like that. And so as they they went along, I thought... You know, I think a lot of people believe that that kind of a power lunch started in the 80s and we're still doing it today. But the reality is that the very first power lunch took place over 2,000 years ago and it involved Jesus and a wealthy tax collector by the name of Zacchaeus. And we know that after that lunch that Zacchaeus was never the same. It changed his life. And then it got me thinking about what would you do? If Jesus called you on the cell phone and asked you to go to lunch, you ever thought about that? I mean, some of you immediately would go, well, I I wonder what restaurant I would pick out. And I I wonder what I would order. Uh, I guarantee you I'd pray for lunch that day, you know, because I'm with Jesus. And, you know, I wonder what we would talk about. And I, I wonder what kind of questions Jesus would ask me. And then in that moment, I'm convinced you start sweating. Because you remember that, wait a minute, Jesus knows everything about me. He knows my business. He knows my relationships. He knows my struggles. Uh-oh. I wonder what Jesus would ask me. You know, we're in this serious revolution, and we've been talking about how God wants to revolutionize your life and and my life, and how God wants to use us to change the world, to to mark eternity. And and so today, I want to ask you some questions that I believe have the potential to revolutionize your life. I I believe they're questions that if we were having lunch with Jesus, He might ask. And I, I think they're questions that... Jesus asked Zacchaeus, if you read the story in Luke 19, and it kind of centers around a topic we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And we talked about that followers fish, that followers get uncomfortable for the cause, that we're not supposed to get back in a lazy boy chair and, and take it easy. And we had some folks that put initials on here, and we said, you know what, God, use me, use me. And, and so... I want to kind of jump into our story. Here's the context of the story. Jesus is in Jericho, and he's passing through. And just a casual reading of the story, you think, okay, this is a run-of-the-mill story, until you realize where Jesus is heading. See, Jesus goes through Jericho, and he's on his way to Jerusalem, and we know he's going to die on the cross. Uh, and he's going to die for your sins and mine. And so here's what you've got to understand. If Jesus had used MapQuest in that day, you know, he looked it up and he said, okay, I'm planning my trip to Jerusalem, he would have got a lot of different routes. I guarantee you none of the routes would have included Jericho in him. That Jesus goes through Jericho, you see, Jesus is following God's will at this point. He didn't have to go through Jericho, but he did because God was pulling him that way. And the Bible says that in that town of Jericho, there was a guy by the name of Zacchaeus. Now, it's interesting, Zacchaeus in the, in the Greek means righteous one. And we know from history he was anything but righteous at this point. In fact, he was despised. He was hated by society. His life was a mess. He was a chief tax collector. And Rome was in an expansion project at this point, And they used taxes to build all the things that they were building. In fact, they, they put a heavy tax on people. We know that Zacchaeus was wealthy. He had cash. He had Mean Green. I mean, this guy had Gucci sandals and Armani robe, and he was decked out. He was Jewish, but he worked for Rome, which meant he was a traitor. And so you look at Jericho. Jericho, of all the cities, was the highest taxed city. How would you like to live there, huh? Most taxed of the entire empire. And on top of it, Zacchaeus took extra money for himself and pocketed it. And I think for us to understand, because people go, well, we all hate paying taxes. We don't get quite riled up. I think you have to think like terrorist today. That's the kind of hatred that the people had. For Zach to come out of his house, come out of his guarded house, it was dangerous. I mean, I'm sure people wanted to run into him. They... Probably spit on him. There were people that wanted to take him out. Uh, I think Sopranos here. And Scripture says this. Zacchaeus, he wanted to see who Jesus was. Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was. But it's kind of like the world. The world wants to see who Jesus is. They, they want to see if this Christianity thing, if it's real, if it's authentic, what, what, what's involved. You know, are, are people really living out their faith? You know, is it authentic in, in their life? And, and so they, they wrestle with it. And I know as I'm talking right now, some of you, some of you go, well, I, I'm that kind of a Zacchaeus type person. I, I wonder how Jesus fits in, in my life. You know, I, I'm hoping that somehow he'll, he'll connect with me. I'm just checking the Christianity thing out. But it says he, he wanted to see who Jesus was. But being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. Zach wanted to see Jesus. But the Bible says he couldn't. I mean, to be honest, he's kind of the spud web of the New Testament. You know, he, he's just short. He, he didn't even have a vertical jump. He couldn't see over the crowd. And so he, he wants to see Jesus. And as you read the, the story, I, I begin to ask myself this question. And that is, Damon, when people see you, do they see Jesus? You know, in other words, am I like the crowd in Zacchaeus' day? Am I blocking people from seeing who God is? You know, am I becoming an obstacle? Because I believe a lot of Christians block people's view of who God is. We block their vision. We we block their their concept uh, of who Jesus really is. And so it's kind of like we just wall it up so that they, they can't see. They want to see Jesus, they want to know Jesus, they they want to relate, but they can't because the the crowd, I mean sometimes it's our Christian cliques, you know, sometimes it's the stained glass fortresses that we put up, uh, those barriers and walls that we've talked about through this series. Sometimes people want to see Jesus, but they can't because of our lifestyles. And so the first question that I think Jesus asks you and me both is, is your life, is your life an asset or a liability when it comes to the cause of Christ? In other words, you know, I I talk a lot about living a holy life, about the importance of the Christian walk, about sharing the good news, about getting uncomfortable for the cause. I mean, I give it a lot of lip service, but in reality, is my life an asset or a liability? Now, if you're a seeker here, you know, kind of checking things out, a Zacchaeus-type person, this question isn't for you. So in other words, you can zone out for a couple minutes if you want. And if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you got to tune in. you got to listen. You know, is your language becoming a barrier for people seeing jesus is your dealings your relationships the the places that you go the the things that you do the decisions in in your life that you make in other words is your life a liability or an asset when it comes to the cause of christ you know are you keeping people from from seeing who god really is You know, sometimes believers, they'll they'll catch me and they'll ask for ethical advice, you know, and it'll be things like, uh, hey, Damon, do you think it's okay if I go see this movie? Or is it okay if I go to this place or I do such and such? And, And the list goes on and on of, you know, should I do this kind of questions. And if you've ever asked me that, you know that I don't answer that for you. I merely raise a question, and I'll usually ask this question of that individual. I'll say, look, I'm not going to make that decision for you. But here's a good rule of thumb. If you do it, if you make that choice, if Jesus was with you, and he is, by the way, if he was with you, would you or Jesus, either one of you, be uncomfortable with what you're about to do? Now, if you say, no, I think we'd both be comfortable, then I say, go for it. You know, as long as it doesn't counter Scripture, just go with it. But if in your mind you're going, well, I'm not sure, see, that may be a warning signal. That may be a warning sign in in your life. And my prayer is that my life's an asset to the cause of Christ. When people see me, that they go, hey, I want what Damon's got. You know, can they say that about you? Can they say that about me? It's a good question. Let's move on in the the story. Scripture goes on in uh, verse 4. It says, so so he, it's talking about Zacchaeus, ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see Jesus since Jesus was coming that way. You know, Cindy and I have, have been to Jericho. And uh, it's a kind of a quaint, small uh, Israeli town, but there are sycamore trees all along the streets. Everywhere you look, sycamore trees. And so we've got Zach, this wealthy guy, and we—you need to understand that in that day, culturally in the Middle East, in fact, that's the same today, that it, it's kind of a no-no for anyone of any stature or uh, of any means to run in public. So we got Zach, this wealthy guy, running in public. It's kind of like at the parades when you ever take your kids or your grandkids... And and they run along trying to see. I want to see the floats. I want to see Dora. I want to see Spider-Man. You know, and and they're all over the place. Well, Zach, he's running. He's sprinting. He grabs the first limb of the tree. He starts climbing. He doesn't tear up his designer robe, by the way. And he gets to the top, and he looks down. And he sees Jesus. This sophisticated, intellectual guy kind of acting like a kid. And that's okay. Because, you know, Scripture tells us that, you know, Jesus said anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child can never enter. Kind of gives us permission. And it says, you know, to come to faith, sometimes there is a sense of childlikeness in taking that step. Uh, You don't check your, your intellect at the door. It isn't saying become mindless. But you do have to come to a point where you say, you know what, God, I trust you. I don't understand everything, but I'm putting my faith in you. Um, As a kid, you did that. You know, your parents had stipulations, boundaries, things. You you didn't know why, but you just trusted them. And the reality is, I think we've got to trust our our heavenly parents. We have to trust God. So, So Zacchaeus ran. He climbs a sycamore tree so he can see Jesus. And Scripture says since Jesus was coming that way, you know, Jesus followed God's prompting. He came through Jericho. Didn't have to, but he did. Why? I think it's because of Zacchaeus. He's the the quintessential seeker. And God said, you know what? I'm going to provide an avenue for him. Now, I've talked about this church. This church is a place that I think seekers are, are welcome. That you don't have to know about God or understand anything to be okay here, to be comfortable here, to to have that kind of environment. That you know we're willing as Christians to get uncomfortable so that people that don't know God or aren't close to God can can come in. That we're intentional about providing a safe environment. You know and. The reason why is because we know that when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to God's word, that, it, that it's dangerous, it's penetrating, it is life-changing, and so what we're going to do is take away every obstacle so that people can come to a point that they give their life to Christ. I mean, that's our focus. That's what we said we're about as a church. And so the second question becomes really understandable, and this, this is tough. This has been a tough lunch so far with Jesus. I mean... Now, if you're a believer, you can listen. You should. But this question's geared for those of you that are trying to seek God out, that you're kind of investigating. Maybe, maybe you've been doing the, the religious thing in your life. And I want to make a point that being religious has nothing to do with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Nothing. You know, People, people tell me, they say, well, you know, I've been baptized. I've been pasteurized, homogenized, you know, confirmed, all this stuff. No, 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 no. We're talking about relationship with Jesus Christ. It's personal. It's, it's close. And here's the question I would ask seekers. You know, who has God put in your life to lead you into a personal relationship with him? You know, God strategically placed someone in your life to, to lead you, to help you. That, that person could be someone at your office, it may be someone across the street, down the hall. You may be sitting next to him right now. And God, God promises in His Word that when we seek that he'll orchestrate, that he he will bring about and bring someone into your life when you're seeking, that he'll bring a believer along. He'll, he'll bring someone that can help you when you are seeking in your life. Now, people today don't climb sycamore trees. They climb ladders, you know, cell towers. Now they're sitting in theater seats in a school. They're at work. They're maybe at your health club in... They're just seeking, they're investigating, they're seeing if it's real, if they can trust it. Scripture says this, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. It's interesting, Jesus is walking, people are pressing in, they're surrounding him, he has religious leaders around him, and Jesus very easily could have stopped and spent all day long with the religious leaders. They could have talked about theology, eschatology, astrology, whatever. But Jesus is on a mission. Scripture says, "the spot." When he reached the spot, Jesus had evangelistic eyes. He he looked through those kind of lenses. In other words, when he saw a crowd, he noticed the people that were outside. Of the family. A while back, I got a pair of polarized sunglasses. Hey, have you ever put a pair of those on? They're incredible. They're incredible. I thought, what's the big deal? And I put a pair on, and it was like I saw stuff I'd never seen before. I mean, the the, the colors colors just popped. All of a sudden, this incredible vision. Everything's more vivid. And friends, I want to suggest that. It, in our faith, that we pray for evangelistic lenses. That, that once you say, you know what, God, use me. Give me lenses to see the Zacchaeus-type people around me, that through the prompting of the Holy Spirit, God will let you see things you've never seen before. That you'll go, whoa, I didn't realize that they don't know God, that they don't know Jesus Christ. Whoa, I, I think they're struggling in their life, This is a great opportunity for me to share because I think God's got a better way. Jesus puts on those kind of sunglasses and he sees Zacchaeus and he says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately for today I must come to your house. Now, that's a little bit awkward, but we've got Zacchaeus. He's climbing down and Zac's been invited by Jesus. To a power lunch jesus invites himself to zach's house that's why it's awkward can you imagine that don't even know someone hardly and they walk up and go hey i'm coming over to your house for dinner today you know it doesn't really work in our culture but in that culture that's how it was and what i want you to really understand is jesus took initiative here He took initiative to connect in a relationship with Zach. And I believe it's much easier to build walls than it is to build bridges. That it's easy once you become a Christian to increase your circle of Christian friends. And see what happens is as you're increasing your Christian circle you're decreasing your circle of seekers and people that are looking And what I believe, as Christians, we should be doing is building relationships with people outside the family, people in the community, that we step into areas that don't cause us to compromise, okay? But that we step in and connect in relationship. Now, I want to clarify, because I just know where people go. They'll say things like, well, you know, I'm trying to build a relationship with a buddy of mine, and so we're going, I'm going to a strip joint with him. No, no. You know, the cause of Christ. I'm heading to the boat, $2,500 on the line, but I'm, it's, it's evangelism. No. You see, I'm talking about building a relationship with another human being that matters to God and building it with integrity. You know, you should not hear this. You should not look at it as a project. I've watched through my, my ministry, and some people look at evangelism like it's a, a project, like a Christian puts a notch in, in their Bible. Got another one. You know, they're a mess. I'm gonna invite them to church. Another notch, man. Next. Oh, they're awful. I'm going to invite them to church. They said, no, next. No, that's not how it is, folks. We are to be motivated out of genuine love, genuine concern. And even if they say no, 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 we care about them so much that we just stay connected. See, Jesus meets Zach right where he is. He invites himself to his house. And it starts with a relationship. And then Jesus shares. Then Jesus presses after the relationship's building. Scripture says, so he came down and at once welcomed Jesus gladly. Hmm. Gladly. In the Greek, uh, that's carry on. It means rejoice. It's always associated with salvation. Luke uses that word nine times in the gospel. And every time someone's saved, they experience carry on. They experience joy. They, experience, they rejoice about it. Here it's translated gladly, but they ha- they have the same connection to someone taking a step of faith. And, and you know something that bothers me? I'm gonna be honest, is I meet a believer. And we get talking, and they'll, they'll finally go, yeah, I'm, I'm a believer. Yeah, yeah, I, I gave my life to God years ago. Yeah, I'm really excited about my faith, man. Yeah. You know, I have these conversations, and I think, do, do they know the same Jesus I know? Do they serve the same God that I know? Of? Because I understand the Christian life as a place full of joy. Full of adventure. Now, don't misunderstand me. It's got problems. There are struggles. We fail. We mess up. Life doesn't go the way we planned. But there's a sense of excitement as you walk with God, as you, you allow God to, to kind of unfold in your life. And here's what I believe if you're not experiencing joy, if you're not experiencing that real excitement in your life, I think you'll understand this third question. And that is, Jesus is talking to believers and he says, when was the last time you looked for a seeker in your life? You look at the rest of the story. Jesus is going to Zach's house. Verse 7, the people saw this and they began to mutter. People do that, by the way. You can think about it for a minute. (laughs) He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Oh my goodness! Can you believe that? Isn't that the worst thing you've ever seen? That's off the chain, man. What? What? What's? What's he doing? You know, I've done a lot of mentoring through the years with young young pastors, and a lot of times I'll sit with them and just try and get a perspective of how they think about what what their job is as, as a pastor, what it is that God's calling them to, and I'll run through. And they'll say, hey, tell me what the characteristics of Jesus is. Now, I'm going to admit to you, it's kind of a setup. You know, it's kind of a trick question. But they'll start sharing with me. They'll go, well, you know, Jesus is love and grace, and he's about forgiveness. Oh, yeah, he's, he's the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And I let them run for a while. I'll go, well, give me some more. Give me some more. And they just keep going. And then finally, I'll stop and say, you know, you're forgetting one of the biggest labels Jesus had. Jesus was a friend of sinners. And friends, that's what I want to be. Not compromising my faith, but showing them love, connecting with them. Why do I love them? Well, because I have the author of love in my life. And because God says they matter, they should matter to me. People matter. Everyone matters. Everyone that ever walks this planet matters. And I'm going to say something that's going to rattle some of your spiritual cages. But friends, if you are not praying and reaching out and building bridges and connecting with people that aren't believers, I can tell you something about your life. It is dry, 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 spiritually. It'll dry up, it'll shrivel up, it'll, it'll become this little seed that you go, where did it go? I've seen it throughout my ministry. But when people, when people decide that they're going like to live in these Christian fortresses, or they're just going to soak in God's word, and they're not really going to look out there, play, they're just going to play the religious game, they dry up. They become bad testimony for the church. They create these lazy boy environments that we talked about a couple weeks ago and they chill out in their chair and think they got it all together. You know, that's why this church is geared like it is. It's geared because we're more concerned about people outside than people here. You know, the church is growing, but friends, it's just the tip of the iceberg. I believe God longs for churches that will dedicate themselves and Christians that will dedicate themselves to reaching lost people, reaching people that don't have God. You want to experience joy? You want to experience excitement? You want to sense God's power in your life? Connect with people outside the family. The Zacchaeus type people. Look for those seekers. Maybe that person has bad vocabulary or, or struggles relationally or maybe they're shaving the corners ethically or they're spinning out or whatever. But then watch. If you start trying to connect with them, watch your faith come alive. Watch your joy increase in your life. And one more question. Luke nineteen eight says, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord. That's interesting. A couple of things. He stood up, which means, one, he was sitting down, right? <laughs> but it also means that he publicly stood before the people. And did you catch how he, he's talking here? Something happened during this lunch because he has this encounter and he meets Jesus. But now he's saying, Lord. That's curious. He shifted. Zach saying, Lord, meant he was announcing to everyone, God's number one in my life. Jesus is number one. Top shelf. He's the top of the heap. And because of salvation, see, that's why he's calling him Lord. Somehow he found salvation in that lunch. He says this. Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated, that's an understatement. He knows he's cheated people. <laughs> Anybody, if I've cheated anyone, I'll pay him back four times the amount. Now, I guarantee you, because he was a guy about dollars, he already knew what kind of figure he was looking at there. And here's the final question. What changes have you made personally and publicly because of Jesus Christ? You know, Zach makes a personal change in his life, a personal commitment, and that change affected his public life. You know, he, he stood there and he showed the people, he said, you know what, I'm dealing with my sin. I'm turning from my mistakes, and I'm going to try and make things right, and I'm following Jesus. And it's an amazing turnaround that happens inside, and he goes public with it. Now, you've heard me say this before, but I find it sad, just sad. Have you ever been in one of these situations? You you hear about someone, maybe somebody tells you, So-and-so goes to church. They're a Christian. You know, they're a leader. I'm telling you, they're a Christian. And in your mind, you're going, you got to be kidding me. Are you joking? That's hard to believe. I would have never guessed that. And I kind of go, whoa, that's just sad. That's just sad. I mean, have you ever done, don't don't say names, but have you ever done that? And, And here's why it's sad. If I know Jesus, if my life personally has been changed because of what God did for me, then publicly people should see it. And I'm not talking about running around with a spiritual chip on your shoulder and, you know, kind of looking down on people and holier than thou and carrying a great big Bible going, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, you know. That's not what I'm talking about. What we're talking about is people seeing the love of Jesus Christ, seeing the the vitality and the passion that you have for God, that people, you need to know this, people will see you struggle. They will see your flaws. In fact, just turn to your neighbor and say, you're not perfect. Oh, come on, with passion, you're not perfect. I've been wanting to tell you that for years. You're not! It's okay if people see your nicks and your shortcomings. But they absolutely, they absolutely should see that Jesus Christ is working in you and through you. So if people are surprised when they find out you're a Christian, friends, it's time for a reality check. You need to do a spiritual gut check. Someone goes, wow, I wouldn't have ever guessed you're a Christian. I'm like, well, I pastor a church. (laughs) (laughs) Zach went public with something really personal. You know, a couple weeks ago, put these initials up here. Some of you went public, said, okay, God use me, use me. You know, last week we brought in new members to the church. And they went public and said, you know what? I'm making faith fellowship my home. You know, next week we've got quite a few people going public. And they're going to follow in baptism. And basically they're saying to the world, I believe Jesus Christ died for my sins. He's my Savior. And because of that, I'm taking this step of faith what I know is there are others that need to take that step of faith, too. You know, I'd be glad to talk to you after the service. Uh, if you want to come hear what we're doing um, after, after the uh, dedication, we're going to talk about what we're doing next Sunday with baptism. You know, immediately following this service, we got a family that's going public. They're going public and saying, you know what? We commit ourselves as mom and dad to do whatever we can to raise our daughter in the faith, to be the best parents we can. Private goes public. It always does. I mean, what a a lunch that must have been. Zach's life's changed forever. Here we are 2,000 years ago. ago. We're talking about that story today. It's amazing. So I want to shake us a little bit, you know, to, to reach people. For Jesus Christ. If you get serious about it. You're going to find a passion. And a joy that I believe. You have never will have never experienced before. You, you'll find that your faith. Comes alive. You know when. When was the last time. When's the next time. You're going to go out on a limb. And have a power lunch. For the sole purpose. Sole purpose. Of winning a friend, having a relationship with someone with the hope with the hope of influencing them for the cause of Jesus Christ see eternity eternity is in the balance here it's critical and I believe God wants to use you that way that's how God's going to change the world people around you is through you through you let's bow in a word prayer to God our holy God God we praise you God we thank you for all the opportunities that you give us God I pray that your Holy Spirit would just help us put on those lenses that we could see vividly and in full color, the people around us that don't have you. God, I pray that most of all, we are about building bridges with those individuals, loving them for just who they are. God, give us patience. God, may we be your hands, your feet, your eyes. God, I know there are some here today that that say, hey, I'm the one that's looking, I'm seeking. God, I pray you'd let them see the believer in their life that can help them. You can just pull up alongside them and love them, try and answer questions. God, use us. Help us change the world. in Christ's holy name we pray.